And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits with Mike and Stephanie. You made an excellent choice. The World of Myth Bits. Welcome to the World of Myth Bits podcast. Episode 15, I am your host, Stephanie Barty, and if you note the silence, I'm it. There is nobody else. It's just us. You and me. No mic. No other co-host. No interview. Those are coming soon. So I thought, since, you know, I wanted to put something out, that I would just record it on my own. Unfortunately, I was having a lot of problems recording through the podcast programs that I have, but I do have a converter, so I can convert video to MP3. So, I'm doing this as a video, then I'm going to convert it to an MP3, then I'm going to send it to Dave, and he's going to do all the wonderful things that Dave does. And then we'll have a podcast for tomorrow, for today, Monday. Yes, yay, woo! Okay, so anyway, I get to look at my ugly mug for the next... 40 some odd minutes. So first thing I want to do is tell you all to go to www.theworldofmythbits. Oh, bleh. Oh, even on my own, I can't get it right. www.theworldofmyth.com and check out all the amazing things that we have in store for you that came out on the 24th of this month, last month of November chock full of amazing stories. We have some new writers that have joined us. Um, the artwork is absolutely top-notch yet again. It just keeps getting better and better and better. Um, the reviews, the interview by the Mythmaster, Luna. Hands up to you, girl. <laughs> Looks like two women have taken the Mythmaster to task now. So, yeah, it's just us. And exciting news. My book, as of December 1st, was available for pre-order. And I'm going to give you a little treat because some of you may not know what my book is about. And I don't explain it very well because my elevator pitch, which is what they call it when you're trying to pitch a publisher. Um, I never really perfected that. Thankfully, Dave, my publisher... Is very understanding <laughs> and loves me. <laughs> he won't admit it, but he loves me. Um, yeah, so my elevator pitch was more or less a Facebook conversation. And so I'm going to read to you the back blurb, my book, you can hear, that's my book, to you, and it'll tell you what the book's about. So bear with me. Gwen Morgan, young widowed mother, seeks shelter for her daughter at the house of the local shipbuilder. She is weak and sickly, and has been pinned all hope on the elder Dawsons, and unknowingly on their son Lance. At the death of her husband, after the death of their son and twin to their remaining daughter, Gwen alone, racked with illness and with nothing to her name, makes the only choice she feels she has. 
As the age of sail is starting to fade, Lance Dawson struggles to keep his schooners alive and relevant, and agrees to a contract that could be his undoing. With hidden secrets and the potential to behave like warships, his total focus is on this endeavor and not on love, romance, or even his own marriage. He must keep the exact nature of the ships a secret as long as possible, in the hopes that he can save his town and the people in it from the never-ending raids. Although there haven't been any on land for many years, Lance and many others struggle with the constant attacks on the water. He has never forgotten the battle that took his only brother from him and has spent his life making sure that no one else suffered the same pain. As Lance fights his own inner battles, Gwen struggles with hers and their seemingly shared past. Both experience disturbing dreams, unusual sounds in the house, and a strange magic that seems to encompass all it touches. Mixed in with that is the ghost of Gwen's deceased husband, determined to not let her go, the shade of Lance's Lance's hedgewitch mother Belle, and the living tirade of Lance's wife Abigail, all overseen by Lance's brother Tristan, who died in a raid on the town many years ago and whose spirit is forever bound to the house and to Lance, a house that once entered, no one ever seems to leave. For one, the answer is simple, murder. The ultimate end and the only escape that can be seen. In the realm of the living, plans are set in motion that will change the course of all involved. While in the realm of magic and the dead, the wheels of fate have also started turning once more. Can Lance and Gwen find true happiness amidst all the deception and barriers? Fighting emotion and arranged marriage and spiritual troublemakers, it will be a battle for both. When all hope is lost, they must look for the tiniest of sparks, the faintest of lights within the darkness. For that light will guide them home, will open their minds to a world of things that they never imagined possible, and to a magic that seems to be eternally bound. So that's my book, Eternally Bound. If you go to www.theworldofmyth.com, on the left-hand side of the screen, you will see a picture of the book, and it says, Pre-order here! So you click that, and it'll take you to a PayPal page where you pre-order it at a 10% discount. Now, you can only do that up until December 10th, so you might want to get in on that, because as of December 10th, it goes up to regular price. Anyway, so, yeah, um, this isn't the first round of podcasting that I've done by myself tonight. This is like round four now, because I was having issues with the podcast recording app that I'm using on my phone and it would only record eight bars. So I would yammer away for like half an hour, 45 minutes. And all I would get is welcome to the world of myth bits podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Barty. And that would be it. And I would go fuck. Where did the rest of it go? Cause I had some funny shit. I mean, I was talking about a six foot cow I was talking about beer, wine, and fruit flies. I was talking about Weed Wednesday in California. And it's all gone now, and I don't want to repeat myself. And yes, I'm whining. So, oh, and Dave just sent me a video. So we'll see what Dave has to say. I can't hear him because I turned the speakers off on my computer, for heaven's sakes. So maybe we shouldn't listen to it while I'm podcasting because he might say things that shouldn't be in the podcast. Who knows? We'll try again.
Let's see. What's Dave have to say? <laughs> yeah, because the last part, he's, he's talking about the format that the last podcast app that I downloaded, it records in M4A format. I've never heard of that, and he's never heard of that, and he needs MP3. So that's why we are doing it video, and then we can convert it. I'm going to tell him that. So there, done. And here we are. Now, let's see. Let's go back over to the World Strange News, because I just found, happened to see a funny one as I was cursing at the fact that my last podcasting, my last three podcasting attempts didn't work. See, this is what happens when I am left to my own devices. When I would podcast with Mike, Mike had the entire setup. He would say, okay, there's four clicks, and then we begin, because that would be the beginning music. And he would point to me, because we would Skype, and I would start talking. And then 45 minutes later, he would point to me again, and we would stop talking. And he would do all the lovely stuff that you do and put it all together and send it off to Dave. And then you guys would get it on Monday. All I had to do was talk. And now that I'm by myself, A, I don't have a fucking clue what I'm doing on how to get this all up and videoed and or, or whatever. And B, I don't, I don't, I don't have the music. I don't have the bumper. I got shit. Thankfully, Dave has the music. Dave has the bumper. So he can take care of all that crap. Wow. Only nine minutes. Good grief. We've got a while to go. All right. So let's see what funny things that popped up while I was cursing and swearing at my podcasting inefficiencies. Joke about being professional. I am so not. Let me tell you. I am flying by the seat of my pants, which probably would work better if I was actually wearing pants, but I'm podcasting from my bed because my husband's on days, so he's sleeping. He sleeps downstairs because he snores and I kick, and neither one of us was getting a good night's sleep, and we've been together over 25 years. We've been married almost 19 years, and sleeping separately works for us. I love him. But I can't stand him sleeping beside me snoring. Drives me nuts. I don't need to sleep beside him to love him. Anyway, so I happen to see this. New Orleans man accused of bomb threat insists he just had to poop really bad. So how can you go from being accused of a bomb threat just because you had to take a dump? Let's find out. Okay. Police said the suspect told employees at Willie's Chicken Shack, y'all about to close right now because I'm going to get a bomb and blow this place up. Okay, so I can see where he would be accused of, yeah. As jokes go, this one is really crappy. Oh, that's a groaner. You might even say it bombed. Oh. A New Orleans man accused of threatening to blow up a local restaurant last Tuesday told police it's all a big misunderstanding, and he was referring to a bowel movement. Okay, I can understand that, because whenever one of us has to go and, and make stinky, we use the term, we're going to go blow up the bathroom. 
And that lets everybody else in the house know to avoid that particular bathroom for a while. According to an arrest warrant obtained by NOLA.com, 30-year-old Arthur Posey, 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 walked into Willie's Chicken Shack and asked an employee what time the restaurant closed. When the employee told Posey she didn't know, now how can an employee not know when the restaurant closes? I mean, seriously, if you've ever worked a closing shift, you know what damn time that door is getting locked because you get to go the fuck home. Ah, where was I? Anyway, when the employee told Posey she didn't know, he allegedly replied, y'all about to close right now because I'm going to get a bomb and blow this place up. Restaurant employees told police that Posey was very angry during the discussion. He later told police that he was referring to the restroom and wasn't making any real threats, according to WGNO. The employees said he never mentioned the bathroom when he made his alleged threat. Posey faces two counts of communicating false information of planned arson. He will also need to appear in court for a competency hearing, according to Fox News. So apparently he's not all that bright either. Yeah. Oh, here we go. 20 gifts your boyfriend will love. Um, well, I can think of one gift you could give him 20 times and he'd be very happy. So let's see. What else have we got? Because I'm not rehashing the ones I already did. Not again. I mean, I even had one on frog ladders. Frog ladders. Apparently these frogs are falling into gullies and they're playing frogger to cross the road and then falling into these gullies on the other side of the road. So they put in these um, rust-resistant aluminum mesh ladders so these little frogs can crawl their happy little asses back out of the gully, play frogger back across the road so they can get to their breeding ponds because the amphibian population has declined in Warwickshire, England. That's what that was about. So, Arizona pigeon found wearing rhinestone vest reunited with owner. I'm sure that owner was very happy. Who would put a rhinestone vest on a pigeon? Sorry, I had to pause for a drink of water because... I'm the only one doing all the talking. Usually when Mike's yammering away, I'm drinking some water. So, Olive, Olive the pigeon, had been missing from its home in Peoria, Arizona for more than a week. A pigeon that had flown the coop with only its bedazzled vest is nesting back home in Phoenix. The Arizona Republic reports Marlette Fernando and her husband were reunited Tuesday with their pet pigeon, Olive. The bird was brought to the Fallen Feathers Bird Rescue Center in Peoria more than a week ago. Center Director Cody Kieran, Jody Kieran says she knew the pigeon had to be somebody's feathered friend when she saw the rhinestone-studded vest. That would be a big indication. The organization posted a picture of the bird and the vest on Facebook. Fernando says a friend saw the post. She says Olive went missing from their home November 7th. Fallen Feathers has planned to put the bird up for adoption if nobody came forward after one month. Hell, the rhinestone vest, you could have bought a whole lot of bird seed. <sighs> so, that wasn't very weird.
Yeah, I was told that doing video and converting it to an MP3 was a good idea. I have one. and I haven't used all my good ideas yet for 2018. And I'm running out of days, so i got to use them all up because they don't carry over like phone minutes. I get a finite number of good ideas for a year, for the year. So, let's see. What the hell? The Thanksgiving turkey optical illusion that's messing with people's heads. Because y'all Americans, y'all just had Thanksgiving, didn't you? Like a week ago or something. Ours is in October, so. An old Thanksgiving turkey recipe video on YouTube went viral Thursday after it was found to contain a strange optical illusion. Look at the center of the whirling brine in this video on the Kamada Joe channel for about 30 seconds until the turkey appears. Then see what happens. I'm not watching the video. Let's just read and see what they say. According to Mashable, it's due to the so-called waterfall illusion, which the Illusions Index website describes as a motion aftereffect seen when looking at a stationary si- stimulus after looking at something moving in one direction for some time. Clear your mind cache, your mind cache, good lord, and watch this six-second sec- six gif to prove the turkey wasn't actually spinning on the table in the 2015 video. Reddit user Dentley brought the quirk to fellow users' attention Wednesday and inspired many astounding responses. Great, now everything is spinning, wrote one. Another dubbed the phenomena Thanksgiving on acid. Ooh, do you imagine a family function on acid? Good lord. It would make your drunk uncle a whole lot more interesting. Or the crazy ant in the corner, you'd be able to understand that the things she's seeing, because you'd actually be able to see them too. Let's go hallucinate with Aunt Lucy. In the sky with her diamonds. <laughs> All right, come on. Give me something good here, Huff Post. You usually got some really weird shit. Give me something funny in California, just because I like funny things in California. Right, Dave? Andy? (laughs) You're my funny things in California. Oh, wait a minute. I gotta read this one because anybody over the age of 40 wants to do this. 69-year-old Dutch man attempts to legally lower his age to 49. I want to know how you can do this. Because I'm going to be 40-something. And I don't want to be. I don't want to be old. And I know some of you are listening. Oh, yeah, you know, it's not old. I'm not old. I feel old. And I've lost weight recently. So I have like, yeah, I'm looking old and I don't like it. In my head, I still think I look like I'm in my 20s. My mirror lies. Um, my mirror has a vendetta out against me. It's upset with me because I haven't cleaned it in a while. So it lies to me every day because the image in my head never matches the image in the mirror. I really am cute and cuddly and I was a little chubby. I'm still a little chubby, but that just makes me harder to kidnap. But my mirror disagrees with me. It says I'm old. It says I look old. I do need to do something about the grays, but you know, That's because I have a teenage daughter. Anyway, so 
69-year-old man in the Netherlands wants to prove it's legally possible to be as old as you feel. Oh. Emile Rattleband has filed a lawsuit against the Dutch government requesting that his date of birth be switched from March 11, 1949 to March 11, 1969. Rattleband, a media personality and motivational guru specialized specializing in self-awareness, compares his attempt to turn back the clock to identifying as transgendered. Oh, wait, whoa, hold on a minute here. Oh, no, that's not the same. We live in a time when you can change your name and change your gender. Why can't I change my own age? Uh, uh, I'm going to reserve comment on that right now. Rattleband told a court in Arnhem that having an official age that did not reflect his emotional state was a challenge for his career and love life, according to The Guardian. Nobody wants to date an old man. That's what his problem is. When I'm 69, I'm limited. If I'm 49, then I can buy a new house, drive a different car, I can take up more work. Then when I'm on Tinder and it says I'm 69, I don't get an answer. When I'm 49, with the face I have, I will be in a luxurious position. Dude wants to get laid. That's the problem. He just wants to get laid. Rattleband told AFP that telling his real biological age to a prospective date was cramping his style. Okay, you can't compare that to transgender because transgender people, they're not lying about their gender. Their physical appearance is lying about their gender. If they're female trapped in a male body, then that physical appearance is lying about their gender. They're not lying about their age or their name or something like that. Ugh. I feel much younger than my age. I'm a young God. Oh, dear God. I am a young God. I can have all the girls I want but not after I tell them that I'm 69. Okay, don't tell them you're 69. Tell them you're good at 69. Problem solved. You're giving them your real age, but they're interpreting it in a different manner. Rattleband told the news agency, I feel young, I'm in great shape, and I want this to be legally recognized because I feel abused, aggrieved, and discriminated against because of my age. Wow. Rattleband said that in exchange for being legally younger, he would agree to renounce his pension. The judge acknowledged Rattleband's argument, noting that the law does allow people to change their gender. However, he also noted that allowing people to change their birth date would mean legally deleting part of their lives, according to the Telegraph. A written ruling is expected within four weeks. Yeah, you can't just write off 20 years of your life. You, you can't. You've lived that. You've done things. So what if you commit a crime in those 20 years and you decide, okay, so when I was 58, I committed a crime. Now I'm 69. I want to be 49. Then technically, does that mean he didn't commit that crime? Because he's not that age. He hasn't been that age. Yeah, that's a slippery slope right there. So, yeah, wants to, dude wants to change his age. We all want to change our age. We all want to be younger than we actually are, unless we're young, and then we want to be older than we actually are. All right, what do we got? 
British Resort. Okay, this is right up my alley because I'm a paranormal investigator. So let's check this one out. British Resort offers to host women's wedding to a ghost. Wookie Caves. I hope I pronounced that right. Resort director Daniel Medley suggested removing Till Death Do Us Part from the vows. Oh yeah, if he's already dead. A British woman's engagement to a ghost she met in Australia is getting others into the wedding spirit. Last week... Oh, wow. Okay. This explains a lot. Last week, Amethyst Realm of Bristol... I hope that's her real name. Announced that the unnamed ghost proposed to her during a road trip to England's Wookiee Hole... Wookiee Hole Cavern Caves in Somerset. There is no going down on one knee. He doesn't have knees, she said, about the proposal. I could actually hear his voice, and it was beautiful. Deep, sexy, and real. Now the resort where the caves are located has offered to host the wedding of Realm and her ghostly groom, according to the Somerset Live newspaper. Amethyst Realm is not the first and won't be the last person to experience out-of-body sensations in the caves. Resort director Daniel Medley told the paper. They have been recognized as a crossover point to the spirit world since the Stone Age, a place where people can connect with long-lost friends and relatives no longer with us. The resort has a woman who dresses up as the Wookiee Witch, who Medley said could perform the couple's wedding. The Wookiee Witch is named after a stalagmite in the cave that looks like a woman who turned to stone. If Amethyst's ghost lover has indeed been attracted to the cave's remarkable aura, then the Witch of Wookiee is a powerful lodestone to commune with the departed, Medley said. He added cheekily, and she would be happy to help with the reword till death do us part clause. No wedding date has been announced, and Realm has not officially accepted the offer. However, she may be looking beyond the wedding to the next stage. Parenthood. Last December, she confessed her desire to get pregnant with a ghost baby. I've done a bit of research into phantom pregnancies, she said. There's a possibility that it is the ghost in you, but people don't know how to carry it to full term. Oh, wow, there's a video where she discusses dating ghosts. Mm-mm, nope. Nope, 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 nope. She, she, she needs something more than a wedding planner, I'm thinking. Yeah. Not more than a wedding planner. She needs some serious mental help. Ooh. Here you go. Hide your keys. 11-year-old Ohio boy takes car on joyride after mom takes away PlayStation. All I have to say is fucking Xbox. Every time my daughter's home and she's on the Xbox, my internet is shit. It's like the Xbox sucks up all the internet. All of it. Every last bit. Anything I want to watch, anything I want to do, buffering, buffering. It's really annoying. I pay for the goddamn internet. I should get the lion's share. I should. I should have the Xbox, not her. Hulk smash. 
Anyway, boy suffered minor injuries after crashing his mom's SUV. An 11-year-old boy in Cleveland, well, at least it's not California or Florida, is facing charges after taking police on a high-speed chase Sunday night after his mother took away his PlayStation. The boy, whose name was not released by police because he's a minor, stole his mother's 2013 Dodge Durango around 10.45 p.m. on Sunday after they got into an argument that led her to taking away his PlayStation. She was probably telling him to get his ass to bed. It's a school night. She went to bed after the argument, only to be awakened by a phone call from the boy's father, who said he saw their son driving the SUV. The boy drove recklessly, reaching speeds above 70 miles per hour, until he crashed the SUV into a parked truck, according to the local station WEWS-TV. He was taken to a local hospital where he was treated for minor injuries. It was the second time in 13 months the boy took the family's car out for an illegal joyride. In October of last year, he led troopers on a 50-mile chase on an interstate before being apprehended. He was charged with a felony in juvenile court. The judge ruled that he was incompetent to stand trial and the charges were dismissed. Hmm, incompetent. Interesting. He is currently at the Cayuga County Juvenile Detention Center, where he faces possible felony charges again. Police said the young suspect suffers from attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, bipolar disorder, and oppositional defiant disorder, Inside Edition reported. Hmm, he's a teenager. Well, no, I guess at 11, he's not yet. But you would think, as a parent, after the first incident of them taking your car, you would be taking them damn keys to bed with you. Or locking them up. We've had to lock things up from our kids when they wouldn't stay the hell out of them. Telling you, lock boxes are a great thing. And then you sleep, and you make sure you have a chain long enough, especially if you're a mom and you're locking stuff up from your boys, you make sure you have a chain long enough that hangs between your boobs. Because, oh my God, if a teenage boy has to go between his mom's boobs to get a key to get something out of the lockbox that he's not supposed to have, it ain't going to happen. He's not going to do it. Oh, dear Lord, he is not going to do it. That will just, yep, yeah, nope. Safest place to hide anything from your teenage sons is between your boobs. My daughter, she doesn't care. I'm having a bath. She'll come in. She'll pull up a stool and she'll sit and she'll have a chat. My sons, I wear anything that looked even remotely low cut. And they're, mom, mom, cover up. Holy crap. Jesus, we you put those things? What the hell? My eyes. Yeah. So safest place for me was on a long chain between my boobs. Oh. I don't... See, I don't do political, but this one might be kind of funny. So... I mean, I'm just kind of... <laughs> okay, no, I can't... <laughs> I'm not going to read this one, because like I said, I don't do anything political. But for those of you that would find humor in this, and I do, go to HuffPost, HuffingtonPost.ca, and look up the article, Twitter uses, Twitter users update 80 movies for the Donald Trump era. 
I think you'll find it rather interesting. Because... <laughs> okay, one of them is pretty in pink pussy hats. That's, that's fine. I'll give that. Revenge of the Millennials. That one's good, too. Banned from Coming to America. <laughs> All right, I know. I said I wasn't going to read any of these, but... Ferris Bueller's Day Off from Facebook. Yeah, some of these are kind of funny. The never-ending subtweet. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, I'm done. I swear, I'm done. I'm I'm getting off that because don't want to upset anybody. So, how has your weekend been? I hope you all have had a good weekend, a relaxing weekend, or at least a weekend. See, it's my busy season, so I pretty much work six days a week now and get Sunday for the next couple of weeks, maybe. And then I don't get Sunday anymore. Then we're open Sunday. So it's seven days a week. It is only for a couple of weeks. It's only for like a month, maybe a couple of weeks. But holy crap. It's, oh, excuse me. I think I drank my water too too quickly. I have the hiccups. Awesome. Hiccups in the middle of a podcast. Way to go. Um, so I get Sunday and when you guys listen to this, it'll be Monday. So yesterday was my Sunday and we had, I mean, I will, I will admit I slept till noon. I was up till 2am, but I slept till noon. So I needed the sleep. I'm pretty much, I pretty much stayed in my pajamas all day. And we got, at least we got the Christmas tree up because if it doesn't get up now, it's not going to, I won't have time. I'll just be too tired. So we got the Christmas tree up and we have what we affectionately call the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. We have never had a brand new tree. We always get somebody's, I'm going to throw this out. Do you want it? Artificial tree where the branches are sagging. Some branches are missing. The lights don't work or it doesn't come with lights. Um, the stand is missing a leg or something. And we're like, yeah, sure. Save it from going to the landfill. Now you see, I am very environmentally friendly. And a lot of my environmentally friendly friends will get a live tree because you can't recycle artificial trees. That's all fine and well. But for the next 15 years, I am going to have the same tree. I'm not going to be going to a lot every year and buying a tree that somebody cut down to put in my house for three weeks to a month and then take it down to the town dock so they can drag it out on the water and drop it in the ice for fish habitat in the summer. Or, like a lot of other people do, throw it out on the curb so that it can be picked up by the garbage. I don't get that mentality. Don't have an artificial tree because it's not environmentally friendly, but let's cut down a tree every year. Where does that make sense? And I will say, when my trees do start getting to the point where they can no longer be used as a Christmas tree because all the branches hang straight down and no amount of fishing line and zip ties and duct tape are going to make those branches stand up, I reuse those branches throughout the house as, you know, decor. I'll put them across the top of the piano and make it look all festive and whatever. 
Um, so yeah, we have recycled, reused, reloved Christmas trees. And our Christmas tree, <coughs> several years old, has a lot of holes, droopy branches. Um, and the neat thing about an artificial tree is that you can bend the branches to whatever direction you want. And you can hang, like if, if you want an ornament in a certain spot to catch the light, you can twist that damn branch over and it'll catch the light. And it doesn't drop needles. Well, okay. So it drops some needles, but it's not like pine needles that are going to impale you in the bottom of your foot when you walk on them. So anyway, we have a zillion decorations. And I think we bought Christmas balls one year when my husband and I first got together 25 or more years ago, um, we bought really pretty sparkly Christmas balls. Most 99% of the decorations on our tree have a story. Oh, including the Christmas balls. They have a story too. Um, it's all the stuff that the kids have made over the years. It's the very first I have, out of the very first decorations I bought when my oldest was born, I bought the Sesame Street characters to hang on the tree. And, I mean, there was Big Bird, Ernie, Bert, Grover, Oscar the Grouch, and a couple other ones I don't remember. Uh, I mean, this is Sesame Street in the 90s, so there wasn't, like, Zoe and all of those characters. So, over the years, they have disintegrated and fallen apart because, I mean, they're 27 years old now. And somewhere along the lines in the moves and everything, we lost my oldest's baby's first Christmas ball. Now, I had two of the Sesame Street characters left. I had Ernie and I had Oscar the Grouch. And Oscar the Grouch was always my oldest's favorite. So, two years ago, because he was kind of he was grumbling a little bit about how we have his brother's baby ball and we have his sister's baby's first Christmas that we got at Walt Disney World because I was three months pregnant when we went and he didn't have one. So I made him one. I took Oscar the Grouch and I put him inside one of those big clear plastic balls and I decorated it all up and I wrote baby's first Christmas, you know, November 26th, 1990 and gave it to him as a gift for Christmas. And the first thing he said when he took it out was, oh my God, you found Oscar. He was very happy. So his is actually the biggest out of all of them. It's about the size of a 10 pin, 10 pin? Yeah, 10 pin bowling ball. The little ones, not the big ones you stick your fingers in. The, the little ones. Because that's what we use in Canada is the little ones. So, yeah, so he's got that. And we still have Ernie that goes on the tree. And then we have all of the Christmas ornaments they've made over the years. The reindeer out of popsicle sticks and the Christmas trees out of beads. And um, for a few years, when my daughter was in public school, their big Christmas thing was to make these picture ornaments. They would take a picture of the kid and then the kid would stick it in this little paper thing and stick it on the tree. So I have pictures of my daughter throughout the years hanging on my tree. So once we get the lights on and we have a garland that like a 
looks like a pine bough garland that you wrap around your staircase. We wrap that around the inside of the tree to kind of fill it in a little bit. And it holds up the branches. Um, and it has lights. Once we get that in there and we get like the 5,000 decorations. Oh, excuse me. Good Lord. Um, once we get the 5,000 decorations on, the tree looks gorgeous. It's full and huge. And it's like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree where he starts out with this little tiny twig and he puts that one ball on and it goes blue. And Linus comes along and wraps his little blue blanket around it. And then they all love on it. And then it looks beautiful. And that's our tree. That's what happens to our tree. Is it looks pitiful. We put the star on and the star usually droops over. And we have to like mangle it up a little bit to get it to stay. And then we put all the decorations on it and it looks beautiful. And then I put up my grandmother's Christmas village because she has no place now to put a Christmas village. Um, she's 91. She has Alzheimer's and stage Alzheimer's. And she just recently broke her femur, which is the bone in the upper part of your leg, for those of you that may not know anatomy. And she's still going strong, but she can't walk, so she's in hospital. She won't be coming home, so she has no place to put her Christmas stuff. She was living with my mom, and my mom had no place to put her Christmas village, so I took it. Because it's it was something when I was a kid that when we would go to Grandma and Papa's, I would play with the little people and I would make up little stories about what was going on and, you know, the conversations they were having in the bakery and, you know, the things that were happening over here at the post office and at the town office with the clock and, you know, the tree. And, of course, the Christmas tree in the middle of town no longer has a star on the top because it broke. And I have my grandmother's old, I don't know if you guys remember these ceramic Christmas trees that had the little plastic lights all the way up them. Some of them had stars. Some of them didn't. Mine, I think, had a star at one point in time, but it no longer does. It takes a light bulb. I have that. And that sits at the back of the village, but kind of in the center of the village. It's like the village tree. You know, the little village and they have the town tree. That's the town tree. And then got the lights on the on the garland, on the fake fireplace mantle. We have this fireplace that my husband's grandfather built years ago and it's a beautiful mantle it's a beautiful piece it's all solid wood it's beautiful except for the part where the fire is supposed to be now it has one of those fake metal fire things that you put light bulbs in and it looks it's awful and the inside he used brick wallpaper to make it look like brick and it's not but anyway i digress so we got that up and I got, um, we have what we call the wall of remembering in my house. Um, I inherited my dad's Christmas sock, his stocking when he died. So that goes on the wall of remembering because he's been gone for 10 years now. And all of our pets get stockings because Santa Claus comes for pets too. So midnight, my son's dog, his stocking is on the wall. And Curious, who would have been 18, 19 this year, his stocking is on the wall. And his little brother, Nimue, who is Morgan, my oldest cat, his, they were triplets. Um, he, Morgan is the only surviving triplet. My sister had, had Binks, the other one. So Nimue's stocking is on the wall. 
and yeah, so there's my dad, Midnight, Curious, and Nimue. Their socks are all hanging on the wall. And I still have like 16 frickin' stockings that hang on the mantle because I make stockings. There's mine, my husband's, my daughter's, and my two sons. Then there's my son's ex-girlfriend's because she's the mother of my granddaughter and she's like my adopted daughter and my granddaughter's because they get socks when they come to my house. Santa Claus comes here and leaves stuff here for them. And then there's my grandson James's stocking and my son Andrew's and his wife Amber's stocking and then all the pets. And we now have four cats, five cats, I'm sorry, five cats and a dog. They all have stockings on the mantle. So the mantle is pretty much stockings from one end to the other that Santa Claus has to fill. <laughs> well, not fill. I mean, the animals don't get overflowing stockings because the dog is particular. He doesn't like rawhide. He doesn't like milk bones. But we have discovered recently that he does like mackerel. Yes, the fish. Mackerel. And he likes salmon. And he'll eat tuna if he's not being offered mackerel. And asparagus. He likes asparagus, too. He's a really weird dog. I think he thinks he's a cat. But anyway, so that's what I did today. I got my Christmas tree up. And because we put the tree up, my husband decided now would be a good time to make a roast turkey with full-on homemade bread stuffing and mashed sweet potatoes and cauliflower and homemade gravy and the tryptophan kicked in about an hour ago so i'm sleepy and i'm rambling and oh wow i've been doing this for 45 minutes awesome so anyway that's what i did today so i hope you guys had a productive weekend and i hope you guys go over and check out www.theworldofmyth.com and vote see what our re our writers have contributed, what our artists have contributed, because as a writer, I know we work really hard on our stories and we take a lot of pride in the stuff that we put out there. So it means a lot to us when somebody goes and reads it. And I mean, you don't even have to vote, but even if you leave a comment, like I enjoyed that or great story or, you know, thanks for submitting, whatever. Let us know that you appreciate the hard work that we're putting into these things. The artists, their, their artwork is incredible. It just boggles my mind that somebody can take a picture in their head and put it on paper because I can't draw a stick figure. I've tried. Really. It doesn't work. So yeah, you can find us on Facebook at and since this is like the fourth time, you'd think I would have all of this crap pulled up. But of course, I don't. I'm logged into the wrong Facebook account. You can find me at um, Stephanie Barty. That's my friend page. And um, if you want to be my Facebook friend. Or you can go to my fan page which is um, Facebook slash Facebook.com. Ah, my internet sucks because it's cheap. 
So if you want to go to my fan page and all you have to do is just like the page and it'll keep you updated on what's going on, what events I'll be going to, what's happening with the book. Um, go to facebook.com slash author Stephanie Barty, or you can search me Stephanie Barty and you'll find my friend page where if you want to be Facebook friends, awesome. I'm always up for new friends. And then you can find the world of myth bits at Facebook slash T-W-O-M-B-P. Woo! I remembered that without even having to look. How awesome am I? Or just type in the World of Myth Bits podcast into the search and up will come our picture. There'll be me. There'll be the invisible Mike because he's not here this week. And you can follow that page and we'll keep you up to date on podcasts and what's going on. You can also go to the World of Myth on Facebook. They are the ones that are absolutely awesome and host our show. Well, I host it. They support it. We work for them. And you can go to the World of Myth magazine on Facebook at da 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 facebook.com, the World of Myth magazine. You can find us on Twitter at T-W-O-M-B-P. You can find me on Twitter at Lupa B. I'm also on Instagram at Stephanie Lupa Barty Author or Stephanie Barty Author. Um, and I think that's about it. So I think I've talked enough since this is like the third hour now because I've already done a few takes beforehand. And I'm going to sign off. And say goodnight. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to go over to www.theworldofmyth.com and we will chat with you next week. See ya. The World of Myth Bits.